Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, October 26th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show... You know, let's look at numbers and stuff and not try to wish it away, because when we wish it away, we get into trouble. As cases of COVID-19 grow nationally, we look at what local health officials are saying about the status of the pandemic in the Magnolia State. Then, a program established by lawmakers looks to curb evictions and relieve renters' debt. Plus, the Mississippi Theater Association prepares for a slate of virtual festivals. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Nationwide, the coronavirus pandemic is worsening, with cases on the rise in more than 40 states. The same is true in Mississippi. After a steady decline in transmission during August and September, COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations trending back upward. State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs calls it a concern. Our overall average, our daily case average, has risen significantly and continues to continues to cause us some concern. We can we see continued uh, hospitalizations, uh, COVID hospitalizations. We haven't seen nearly as many ICU admissions as, as we've seen um, uh, floor admissions. But you know, sometimes there's a transition phase between when people get sick and go in the hospital. There's takes a while. So we'll see how that sort of evolves. Um, you know, certainly early on with coronavirus. There was a tendency to put folks in the intensive care unit immediately. Um, uh, So, uh, you know, that may be a little bit different, but still we see significant stress. But but the hospitals seem to be handling pretty well right now, to be quite honest. The governor did put out an executive order uh, mandating 10 percent capacity uh, to maintain full operation with elective procedures. And I think hospitals have have been able to do that. And I've done some outreach with those different folks. The early waves of the pandemic hit Mississippi's black communities hardest, but that's changing in recent weeks. Dobbs says data indicates a shift in affected demographics is occurring. We have seen a demographic shift also within our cases, and we've seen um, a pretty dramatic shift where um, early on it was like two-thirds African-American, and now it's kind of moved to two-thirds and Caucasian. Um, So we're seeing a lot more transmission within the white community comparatively. Now, granted, there's a lot more white folks in Mississippi, But even now, it's disproportionate in the white community compared to the population that they represent in the state. So it is making a shift. And, um, you know, I I think I don't know exactly part of the issue, but, you know, the black community is hit really hard. And I I suspect that there's a lot more um, concern because they've seen a lot of the bad outcomes more so than other parts of Mississippi. Uh, So let's let's learn the lessons from the past and let's all just be careful. 
Over the weekend, President Trump told Leslie Stahl of 60 Minutes the high number of cases in the United States is the result of massive testing. But Dobbs, along with Dr. Jennifer Bryan of the Mississippi State Medical Association Board of Trustees, said the state's test positivity rate doesn't suggest high cases are a result of overtesting. I know we got to go into Mythbuster mode every now and again, but I, I came out here in a little bit of... You know, well, we're testing everybody. Have y'all been hearing the we're testing everybody thing? Absolutely. Well, we're not testing any more people now than we were three weeks ago. Um, and as a matter of fact, um, we're probably testing a little bit less, but our percent positivity is going up. So it's not an artifact of excessive testing. It, it is, there's just more cases. Um, so, uh, you know, let's look at numbers and stuff and not try to wish it away, because when we wish it away, we get into trouble. And, and make some bad um, some bad planning decisions. Well, and that goes along with what we're hearing from doctors too. That just anecdotally on the ground that we're seeing more. Uh, I mean, we are seeing more. We had I had one today, so we're we're hearing oh. more. You know, so there it's out there, um, and that makes sense. And the, the percent positivity rate is the, is really the number that we should be looking at. Yeah, and and, and it is it is certainly creeping up. An executive order issued last week by Governor Reeves places a mask requirement for nine Mississippi counties. This was after he allowed a statewide mandate to expire at the end of September. As cases grow, Dr. Dobbs says he supports more widespread use of masks. Whatever works to get as many people wearing masks in public as possible is what we're for. And, and the governor, he does um, uh, he does uh, have, a, have a, a, a pretty decent argument that People pay attention to local and it kind of gets their attention more and maybe they're, they're going to be more compliant. Um, so, you know, if that's if that's a better way to go, that that that's that's great. Um, uh, one of the things, though, that has well, there's several things that surprised me that have sort of shifted my thinking on it a little bit is I, I didn't realize how dependent businesses, churches and other organizations were on leaning on the state mandate to enforce masking in their buildings. Yes, very much. And, and I think that's the piece that's um, huge. And I was talking to one of my coworkers today, how her church, once the mask mandate came off, it was, yep. you know, and singing in large groups, and I'm just, oh, heavens. And a church with old folks in there, yeah, I'm, I, it's, it, it's, it, it, really, it really gives me chills. There were 1,212 new cases of COVID-19 reported over the weekend. That brings the total since March 11th in excess of 115,000. The Department of Health has delayed reporting until later this morning. Coming up, a program established by lawmakers looks to curb evictions and relieve renters' debt. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. 
Mississippians who can't pay rent because of a job loss due to the coronavirus pandemic can now receive help through a new grant program. The Mississippi Rental Assistance Grant Program created by the state legislature covers rent for tenants who have been unable to pay because they lost their job or have reduced income due to the pandemic. John Sullivan is president of the Mississippi Association of Affordable Housing Providers. He tells our Ashley Norwood the program should help keep renters from being evicted. This program is uh, to make sure that um, renters can stay in their homes and property owners are, are able to keep people in their homes by uh, helping people pay that um, rent that has been due that has not been able to been paid because of the pandemic. And how far back does that, are you all covering rent? Yeah, the program goes back to March 1st of this year. Um, so the, the, the program will cover any rent that has not been paid going back to uh, March 1st, which is, you know, really when the pandemic started. So, um, you know, that, that can be any amount. Um, it, could, it could be a full month's rent for, you know, several months. It could be just a, a small amount of rent that hasn't been paid because people have been making partial payments, which we know a lot of people have been making partial payments. Um, it, it's, intended to fill whatever gap has has been left, no matter how small, um, to to you know pay back that money to help the rental property owners and uh, the renters so they they um, won't have that uh, you know on their record and and they will avoid you know having eviction filed against them. So will will the renters have to pay that money back, the, the money that the grant will cover or credit? So, you know, one condition of receiving the funds is the, the rental owner will have to credit the, the funding received, the grant funding received to the tenant. So basically it's creating a situation where the tenant's back rent has been uh, wiped clean. So any rent the tenant has not been able to pay will basically be forgiven if the land, you know, if the landlord gets a grant under this program. Well, and it's just important to note that this is a program for, uh, or excuse me, this is a program that landlords can apply for, um, and it's it's not a um, tenants can apply. Uh, property owners and landlords have to apply on behalf of the tenant. So if you're a tenant um, that needs help, you know, let your landlord know that this program is available um, and they can apply for it because the tenants can't apply on their own behalf. So I'm wondering, you know, in your role as president, um, president of the Mississippi Association of Affordable Housing Providers, how important is it to you to continue with these kinds of grant programs or other assistance programs, you know, because we don't know how long we'll be in COVID-19 and how that'll affect renters and landlords on down the line? I I think it's a huge problem and and it's a huge problem we've flagged since the beginning and, you know, one of the crucial things um, we need to make sure is that people can stay in their homes. 
And that's not just a safety concern, that's a, a um, health and economic concern as well. Well, John, again, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. John Sullivan, president of the Mississippi Association of Affordable Housing Providers. Thank you. Thank you. Jennifer Welch with Bellhaven Residential in Jackson says the grant will offer relief to a number of her tenants on the brink of eviction. You know, there was an economic um, consideration with regards to COVID. Uh, When people go into quarantine and can't work at restaurants, can't go in, can't accrue hours that they're used to occurring, we knew that that was going to change their economic situation. So the first thing that we did was send out an email that stated that we knew that there was a lot of uncertainty, but we wanted our residents to know we were going to work with them. That meant that we were going to waive late fees for April and May, and that if anyone needed to make partial payments, that was not usually our um, policy before COVID-19, but we were going to be willing to take partial payments and put people on payment plans if they accrued a, a higher balance than usual. Um, I would say really about 30 or 40 percent of the portfolio um, needed, you know, us to be engaged with them at that level. Um, but it, you know, it just take it took having independent conversations with a lot of people, um, and then working out some kind of payment plan in, in writing, and you know, then monitoring that payment plan, making sure that they were executing it as they had agreed in writing. So it's been an intense year from that standpoint. So so you guys have been able to do some things to help out um, and, and kind of understanding, especially in the beginning when things were difficult. But Definitely. as we see, it's like, you know, COVID-19 isn't going anywhere. And in right. Mississippi, we're seeing this spike now. So that was then. How do you see things going now um, for your renters and also, um, you know, for you all that's operating the business? So, you know, you have to look at things like as as slices in time. So the grant is to help people who have a balance currently on the books. It is not, you know, projected consequences. And I do intend to file for that grant for about three or three to five residents who on the books have not done well with paying, who have a very large balance, and who I think um, – the balance could be satisfied with this grant, but it does not take care of the future. What does the future hold for housing? For me, the, the answer to that question is, is knowing this. Housing is a need. It is, not a, it is not a luxury item. People need food and housing. So in, with that respect, I believe that I am providing one of the most important things to the community. And I take that responsibility really serious and I want to provide, uh, you know, housing that is comfortable and, um, and um, priced conscientiously. And, you know, I really value the fact that I am, I live in the neighborhood. So any profit I usually save and go buy another property in the neighborhood and fix it up and take care of more residents. And so I've, aggressively growing the portfolio over the last 10 years because I'm reinvesting this money locally back into the exact same neighborhood from which it comes from. And I think that's a really important philosophy of how how I'm running this business. 
Yes, it is. It is. Well, Jennifer Welch with Bellhaven Residential, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you, Ashley. Landlords must apply for the grants on behalf of tenants. They are eligible to receive up to $30,000 for past due rental fees. Coming up, the Mississippi Theater Association prepares for a slate of virtual festivals. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Right now, mpbonline.org is your resource to stay up to date on the news about COVID-19. The coronavirus is a worldwide pandemic, and MPB is here to let you know how that affects Mississippi. mpbonline.org has an entire section dedicated to the coronavirus with links and updates from the Center for Disease Control and the Mississippi Department of Health. Visit our website right now, mpbonline.org, to find out what you need to know. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, an associate professor of preventive medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. In the city that never sleeps, the lights on Broadway have been dark for more than six months. Closed up theaters and concert halls across the country have served as the visual reminder of the effects of the pandemic and the effect it has had on the performing arts. But the Mississippi Theater Association is finding creative ways to offer its slate of festivals virtually. Stacy Howell, executive director of MTA, shares more with our Michael Guidry, starting with the statewide playwriting festival. And it is an opportunity for those who are located in the state to showcase their incredible playwriting skills. And there is a festival for high school students as well as one for adults. And the deadline is November 1st. But what they, what someone would do is just to submit their production. And why they would do that is we have um, awards for both the youth and the adult division. It is a $250 award for the high school student and $500 for the adults. And if they would like their production or their play to also be presented on the website, we would love to showcase it on the website as well. And there will be a reading of both the high school as well as the adult productions as a part of our virtual festival this year. And it's just a wonderful opportunity to, first of all, get feedback. Um, as they, as the submissions come in, we have adjudicators who review the productions and they do offer feedback for both the youth and the adults. And they also, um, we, we have a presentation of that during the annual festival, as I said before. But with COVID and everything, there's so many people who are locked in right now and need an outlet. And this is just a perfect opportunity for students to try their hands at playwriting, as well as for adults who may have something sitting on the shelf or they want to try something and and they just never really had that opportunity or known um, what to do before. Is this something for experienced writers, for novice writers? Are are there any any parameters or is just all, all, all skills and ages welcome? It is all skills level, and it is high, It is open to high school students as well as adults. 
Um, it cannot be a, a play that has been published before. Um, so it does need to be something original and not well-known. So, um, like I said, just not published, but all levels are more than welcome to participate. You mentioned that, you know, in the world of COVID, this could be an outlet. Um, the arts have kind of suffered a lot during during this because a lot of the art economy is this is part of the gig economy. Theaters are closed. Right. Uh, people can't gather. How important are the arts, or at least finding in, innovative ways to connect to the arts, important at a time like this? I think that the arts have been instrumental in getting all of us through through the COVID and through the quarantine, uh, because we, when we can't go to plays, when we can't go to concerts, we are continually turning to books. We're turning to online productions. We're turning to movies and TV. So the arts are what has helped us to get through this, but there is that sense of community that we have not been able to have through this, and we are trying to get back. There, There is nothing like going to the theater or working on a production and having that opportunity to all come together. And just to produce art, it's such a wonderful outlet. It, it helps us to express ourselves, what we're feeling, what we're thinking, and to be able to produce that and to, and to offer that to the community, it, it's something that is absolutely incredible for all ages. The Mississippi Theater Association, in, in addition to this playwriting festival, produces regional drama fests for, for high school students, and then a statewide um, festival that has individual events, it has community theater. How is the pandemic affecting those plans, and what are your plans to kind of n- negotiate those challenges? Yeah, it has been a really interesting challenge, but it is amazing how many people have come together and how the teachers and the, the theater professionals in the state have really come together to want to see this festival happen and to give their students and their theater um, their theater personnel an outlet. Our theater festival for Drama Fest is usually the first weekend in December each year, and it's at Mississippi State University as well as the University of Southern Mississippi. We have two regions, and there's usually about 17 schools who participate in each region, and the top three to five have the opportunity to advance to our state festival, which is held every January, and the state festival moves around the state, but because of COVID, we have had to move all of our festivals online. And actually, with Drama Fest, we have moved our entire festival up an entire month. So it's going to be on November the 7th. We're going to have our virtual Drama Fest festival. And USM and MSU have still helped us with this. And we are working with Mississippi State University, their University Center Broadcasting Department, as well as Show Ticks for You to be able to broadcast this festival. Um, the One Acts for um, Drama Fest, they are all going to be pre-recorded and uploaded, but we're going to take that, we're going to stream that as well as live adjudications. After each pre-recorded production, there will be a live response where you'll be able to see the theater groups as well as the adjudicators. The annual festival in January um, will be virtual as well, and we have the secondary festival. There's also a community theater festival that has one-act productions. There's individual events for youth as well as adults. There's a theater for youth festival, which is absolutely incredible. 30-minute productions for kindergartners through sixth grade students. 
So if you have a high school group, a middle school group, a community theater group, a youth group, and you do theater for children, we would love for you to participate in that. Uh, the deadline to register for that is November the 25th. And if you have a kindergarten or a daycare or an elementary school where you would like access to the theater for youth productions, please let us know because we do have free passes that we're giving out because this is an outreach to the community. So we would love to bring in some of those groups to watch theater for youth this year. Um, But we're going to have our entire festival schedule ready by mid-December. And if you just go to the MTA website, mta-online.org, it'll give you all of that information as it becomes available. Well, it sounds like the pandemic isn't slowing things down too much. Lots of cogs and wheels gears in place but um but glad to hear that the opportunity to create art create theater um and share is 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 alive and well in mississippi stacy howell executive director of the mississippi theater association thank you so much great thank you this has been mississippi edition on mpb think radio thanks for listening to the mississippi edition podcast from mpb news and mpb think radio Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.